0: Want to see the stories that we have on the list? Hey, do you want to actually suggest a story to put on the list? The place to do that is superhumanregistrationpodcast.com. The world's not as simple as it used to be. It's not enough to be a good guy anymore. We have to be the best. The time has come. All will be accounted for. Or we will Stand up. It's time to be the hero we were always meant to be. Hey, uh, this was a big old story. Oh my gosh, <laughs> was this ever a big old story?
1: Oh gosh. <laughs> I meant to look up, like, Jim Shooter's bio. I meant to look up Zhaji.
0: <laughs> Why? There's, you read everything there is to know about her.
1: Don't tell me that. <laughs> Steven, this is a little awkward. Aldo has also developed a crush, a crush on Shaji, and you know, m- madly <laughs> in love with her because she, she can only make eyes at him, and he doesn't have to hear her talk or understand what she's saying. She's just his ideal companion.
2: I'm not going to share anything with you again, John.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, hey, guess what, guys? What? It's it's been. Two years that we've been doing this nonsense.
2: And it won't end anytime soon. I mean,
0: we literally have nothing else to do. (laughs) I mean, that hurt. That hit close.
2: (laughs) 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 I was reeled back a little bit. I was like, no, I have something. No, you're right.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the Superhuman Registration Podcast. We are commemorating our two-year anniversary tonight with a very special episode about the original... Marvel Comics event, and that's going to be the 1984 1985 miniseries Secret Wars. This is going to be a fun conversation, but before we get into that, John Aldo, are you guys doing okay?
2: I mean, I was until you made me come (laughs) to the crawling realization that I have nothing else but this podcast.
0: I'm sorry, did I ruin your quarantine?
2: Uh, no, that was ruined already. Yeah. (laughs) Like a year ago, before I found out my lifestyle was called quarantine. (laughs)
1: prison prison movies seem fun when they're all playing baseball in the yard and it gets it gets worse when it's you know solitary confinement
2: you know it gets real bad when your
1: roommate comes out of his room with with mcdoubles coming out of his pants yeah see i was doing shawshank and you were doing longest yard the remake of (laughs) Longest yard (laughs) <laughs> but I like that we met. I bet, you know, is there anyone who is in both movies that would be wild? I don't think there is.
2: I wish there was a website where I could compare casts. That'd be there,
1: there totally is, Aldo. Are,
2: are you actually serious? Like, Christmas you pick two movies?
1: Early. Yeah, IMDb. You can do it. On, it's a feature on IMDb. What? You'd what? have to, like, you'd have to. I th- Well, hold on. You can do two actors. I know. Oh. Oh. Um. <sighs> I uh, I had, speaking of two years ago when we started this podcast, um, I opened the window to get some fresh air and spring has sprung and turns out I'm not only allergic to Steven's cat, I'm also allergic to the outside now. And so <laughs> I was like finishing work crying my eyes out like old yeller just got shot again but it's just because the trees are pollinating i guess and i'm just you know i'm too weak to deal with with nature anymore so i mean to be
0: fair a lot of people are are struggling with dealing with nature at the moment nature is kind of terrifying
1: yeah yeah hey everyone trying to roll the dice on a on a dicey uh, diner option uh maybe just get the chicken (laughs) <laughs> um
2: so so actually I confirmed it it does have that option for movies not just actors.
1: Nice. So yeah. so is there is there anyone who is in Shawshank and in Longest Yard the remake? Of Longest Yard? Uh
2: No, a lot of the same people in the music department and Daniel Berenger as a, as stunts. That's all it
1: says stunts. Well, there you go. So, you know. Good. The music Daniel B is getting the work. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's something at least uh so anyway world is scary and depressing and sad right now let's talk about some comics because comics are never any of those things
2: nope no you the comics never contain an, an element of uncertainty and hopelessness <laughs> but hey at least comics have ulysses claw as a, <laughs> as a
1: court gesture <laughs> wait was that ulysses claw yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Same. Same. Guy. Same. Andy Circus. Okay, like S- that's who. That's the. That's who Andy Circus was playing.
0: What?
1: I did yeah, not make wild. the connection. I'm. I'm the dumbest boy in school.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I. I was.
2: I. It reared me back. I was like, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's not Claw.
1: Yep. Nope, to my yeah. surprise, it was Claw. Wow. So
0: I already knew that because I had the trading card. <laughs>
1: Man, you can just pull a string on your back and that phrase comes out, huh? <laughs> we
0: we're, we're doing like this is our uh our anniversary episode, so we're going to like have a bingo card with like things that we normally say and th- like things that we do uh in the middle of the podcast. Like John is going to have to do a silly voice somewhere in the middle.
1: That's the weirdest. No, that's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I just assumed that was that was your voice for Claw.
1: hey i am south african (laughs) i
2: guess (laughs) charlie starin is south african
1: yeah that's how to do it right not apartheid (laughs) whoa (laughs) be charlie starin if you got a choice between apartheid and charlie starin i don't she held her own on hot ones you guys watch hot ones yes that's my favorite episode yeah she was great when wing number six hits and, like, the
2: floodgates open and she just starts swearing up a storm. Yeah. I love like it.
1: She's <laughs> feeling it, but she's not slowing down. She went all the way. And uh, uh, Scarlett Johansson did a good job, too. They're Marvel characters in movies, Steven. There's, there's a connection.
0: So before we start talking about the comic that we're here to discuss today, I thought it would be a good idea to take a minute and talk about what we've been, like, reading to help us cope in these times of difficulty and uncertainty. Uh, Because there's a lot of great stuff out there. I know that, like, every single media producer, podcaster, everybody out there right now is making recommendations for things to watch and listen to and read. And who are we to, you know, not follow the trend? So, what have you guys been reading recently?
1: There is a comic, um, put out on Tumblr and then shared probably everywhere, but, uh, uh, called Necropolis uh, by Jake Wyatt. I probably have mentioned it before because it kind of was on hiatus there for a while. Um, I don't know what Jake Wyatt's day-to-day like routine is, but um, this is this is his comic, and it is cool, and the art is gorgeous. Um, I went to school with him. Um, he may not remember, probably does not remember me, but we were, you know. <laughs> Did you tell him you're on a podcast? Oh, they don't (laughs) just let anyone be on podcasts. I should tell him that. I should be like, you know,
0: (laughs) Oh goodness. Uh, John, I just, I just tripped on something. Did, did you drop this name?
1: (laughs) It's not like, it's not like he's like a movie star or something. I'm just trying to say like, I, I know this guy is a great storyteller, uh, because like for a long time I've, I've been around this person. Um, Mm Because you know uh, he was studying animation and I was attempting to, and and here I am, and here's this great comic. Um, it's set after an empire has fallen, um, and I'm still not sure what's going on. But um, if you like, you know, girls with huge swords, this will be up your alley. Um, Sign just, me up. Yeah, the art is is like continues to amaze me. It's just such a clean style. It reminds me a little bit of. Um, David Aha, Oh. where it's just, there's nothing unnecessary there. And it's uh, really cool. And I'm trying to find a link. I grabbed a link for you guys so I could p- put it in our chat so you can see it. And uh, yeah, follow along and be be uh, be fans. But that's something that is interesting and different and, you know, not a remake of something and not a repackaging of something. It's um, just a cool comic
0: Yeah, so I stumbled across Jake Wyatt's artwork recently. I think uh, he must have been retweeted by Anthony Holden,
1: who they were they were buddies at school, and uh, have done. Yeah, I think they both drew comics for the other one on April Fool's Day this year. That may be what you saw. But I was
0: already actually aware of Jake Wyatt by that point, and I've been meaning just because I stumbled across some of his artwork. I follow him on Instagram now. I've been Hmm. meaning to go over and read the comic. I just haven't made it over there yet.
1: Well, uh, now you have a link and no more excuse. Sweet. Um, just, a cool guy and a good storyteller. So, I'm interest. I'm interested to see where this is going because I thought I knew from like the prologue, and then we like I don't know. We'll see. So, uh, there's. Um, I'm trying to think if there was another one that he did that I was reading. I think he just recommended one that was uh, called. Oh, I forget the full name of it. Mermaid on the Hudson. Does that sound familiar? If you guys read that, it's not ringing any bells with me. It's a, a steamboat captain finds a mermaid on the Hudson River and has to like conceal her in his cabin and he's trying to like resist her influence. And it was like published online as a web comic every week and then has since been put into a book. But well, um, sign me up. Yeah, really interesting stuff. So that's that's something that you can read besides the comics that we recommend here on our podcast. If you're interested <laughs> in. Um, you know, escaping for a little while, the uh, craziness that is our world that we live in. Yeah. Um,
0: I'm going to kind of follow suit with John here and talk about a comic that's free to read online. Um, That wasn't like a requirement or anything. It's just when I was thinking about what have I actually been reading recently? Uh, I've been thinking about Steeple.
2: What about the people?
0: (laughs) The URL is steeple.church. And it's a comic by John Allison, who is among the most prolific creators I've ever run across. I've been reading John Allison's work off and on for the better part of a decade now, and I never talk about him, and I figured it was time that I actually threw him some some love. John Allison has done multiple different webcomics that are all part of the same ongoing story, and it's very much like a like a Seinfeld Friends sort of thing where it's just, you know, recurring cast of characters getting into, like, shenanigans. There's not ever really any grand overarching plot. Uh, He is also responsible for Bobbins and Scary Go Round, which Scary Go Round actually does have a pretty strong plot. It's about these kids growing up and solving supernatural mysteries in their hometown. And the supernatural mysteries always have something to do with whatever, you know, teenage development they're going through. Um, they're all very strong comics. Steeple is a little bit different than anything else he's done before. It was a series that was sold in comic shops. Uh, I have never read the original series, but the current webcomic version picks up where that series ends off, and it's really easy to figure out what's going on. The main, the premise of the story is in this small British town, you've got these two women. One of them is Billy Baker, who was like this very devout sort of Christian... Woman, very, very uh, solid member of her faith community. And then Maggie Warren is the member of the local satanic coven. She's, you know, very much into the Living Deliciously lifestyle. For some reason, the two are friends and they have to switch roles. So now Billy works for the Church of Satan and Maggie works for the local curate. And it's delightful. I have... John Allison is... He's not the most skilled uh, technician when it comes to, like, artwork. His his designs, his character designs, his artwork, his pacing, his layouts, all of that. They feel very much like anyone can do it. But he's so prolific. His character designs are still really sharp, even though they're very simple. And his writing is just so top-notch that I love it. And I actually think that it suits his his designs and his technical art skills very, very well because it makes his stories really easy to read. And you get punchlines in seriously almost every panel. It's not an overtly, like, I don't know. I was about to say it's not an overtly comedic comic because you can definitely tell it's building tension, it's building suspense, it's building to something. But I never read a John Allison comic without chuckling a little bit. He's very, very, very good. And Steeple, is available to read for free right now at steeple.church. And if you like that, it's really easy to find Bobbins and Scary Go-Round from there. Uh, bobbins, he's been making since, I think, the mid-90s. Difficult to, to go back and read through the whole thing, but uh, Scary Go-Round, 100% worth it. Uh, really good free comics.
1: I just bookmarked it. I like that art style, and I think it uh, is an interesting uh, interesting premise. He's, he's
0: good. He's, oh man, he's good. He's like... I don't ever really talk about how he kind of, like, inspires me to try to do art more, but it's like, he's very obviously, like, doing his own thing, and he's just doing what makes him happy, and it struck a chord with uh, enough people that he, he's he been able to do it for, you know, 20 to 30 years by this point. Very, very impressed with him and what he does, and yeah, I strongly recommend Steeple. Uh, Aldo, what have you been reading recently?
2: Um, To nobody's surprise, uh, lo- a lot of manga. Um... <laughs> What? humble Humble Bundle had this uh really good sale not too long ago that was like thirty dollars for like over a thousand dollars worth of uh like content.
0: Stuff. Yeah, yeah no I saw that sale It had
2: books, games, just a bunch of things and previous to that, they had done a different bundle for the entirety of the fairy tale manga.
0: Oh yeah, I almost got that actually.
2: Yeah, I I never got into the show and I never got into the manga um, because they were both kind of still ongoing and they were like in the middle of the runs. And I was like, I don't know if this is going to take like another 10 years to finish, so I don't really want to start. But now that it's over, I feel encouraged to start it. So I started reading it and it's it's fun. It's good. Um, So I've been reading that. But then I've also been reading like I've been catching up with a lot of stuff. Um, So Attack on Titan is one that I've been catching up on and boy is that getting bananas
0: um have i talked about that on here i don't know if we've ever talked about attack on titan like on record
1: okay um are are either of you watching it or reading it you know me although i can't (laughs) get enough of that manga and anime
2: actually i i would have expected you to watch attack on titan because it's very like game of thrones ish
1: which also I know Jack about. There's a oh, are you not a Game of Thrones guy? No, there's all I know oh. is that there's incest, a lot of screwing, and dragons. So what else?
2: That... <laughs> oh, okay, cool. Like I'm not the
1: only one. Up with the wife and kids, you know. Uh, can't okay. make that the episode title, but boy, am I tempted. <laughs> All right, cool.
2: I, I, don't, I okay. I finally found. Like, the I appreciate
1: the, like the the intrigue and like the fact that it's like a fantasy setting and there's a, a lot of stuff that sounds cool, but also like boy, there's a lot of stuff that's not really up my alley. So yep.
0: Uh so Attack on Titan. So, does fun it. fact about Attack on Titan: there was a humble manga bundle for Attack on Titan. Uh, I think sometime last year or two years ago. Uh huh. Which I bought, so I've read a lot of the manga. I've fallen off both the manga and the anime, though, so...
2: Do you care if I talk about what's happening?
0: Oh, please do. It might actually inspire me to get back involved.
2: Okay, so there was a lull, which is when I dropped off, like, a year or so ago.
0: Oh, yeah, the anime Um, went off the air for, like, two years or something like that. Yeah,
2: but the manga just had this big lull where, like, they were just explaining the origin of the Titans and all of the politics of, like, where the Titans came from, and... Because the big reveal is that, uh... Like this island that they live on is like a prisoner colony, uh, essentially. And so the reigning kingdom, which is like the rest of the of the like the world, almost like the real world, dumps prisoners onto this island and turns them into titans and just lets them roam the fields. What? Uh yeah. So there was this big lull where like it was just conversations, like it was just not a whole lot of action going on. And they do this whole thing and then like it cuts to like two years later.
0: Um, mm, time skips are a good way to renew interest.
2: Yeah, so basically everything's hit the fan. Um, Aaron is now like a like a revolutionary. He's invaded the the the, the homeland. He's invaded like the big country. Uh he's on, on the search for the other titans, the other special titans. Um, so John, because you don't know anything about Tag on Titan, I'm guessing they're robots, right? <laughs> I mean, fle- fleshy robots, yes.
0: <laughs> My hot take is that Attack on Titan is just a mecha anime.
2: It's just a fleshy mecha. Yeah. Yep.
0: A fleshy
1: mecha. So, no. F- no fleshy mecha okay. sounds like a really bad club that I don't want to be invited to. <laughs>
2: oh god. I mean, it's probably true. Um.
1: So part part of it is that
2: there's there's people that live in, like in these communities. They don't know they're a prison colony. Uh, they just they they just know that their way of life is they leave in this, they live in these little villages. And There's these titans that roam like the countryside, which are just huge, they can range anywhere from like 20, 20 feet tall to like 100 meters. Uh, earthquake, yep. Oh, you feeling it?
0: Uh, oh, yep, yeah, felt that,
2: did not. Safe in Portland, <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you were not aware, although we've been having. A crazy number of earthquakes in Utah the past couple of weeks.
1: Hey, you probably let me tell aware. you what's the real. What's the real icing on the cake in this whole stupid situation is having friggin' earthquakes on top of being stuck inside. Jeez. Jeez.
0: Whew, Okay. Um, Wait, did it last that long? No. No, but it was it was a it was a big one. Oh yeah. wow!
1: I when when it feels like you know when you 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 get a cardboard box and you punch out the bottom and then you like step on the side to squish it all flat. I feel like that's what's going to happen to my building right now. Oh, yeah. look, like that's what Comforting. it feels like being in it where it's like, Oh yeah. And
0: it's funny though. Cause like I live in a, in a townhouse that's adjoining other townhouses. And so like every time the earth shakes like that, I'm like, are we going to die or is my neighbor just opening their garage? <laughs>
1: What kind of natural disasters they got in uh, in Portland? Cronut shortages or what? Because uh, <laughs> that would be really scary too.
2: I think sometimes the the dispensaries run out of marijuana. No. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. Just it's just uh, moist all the time. I was gonna say, is flooding an issue with all the like water and? You know, nobody's brought that up, so I don't think
1: it is. Sounds super chill, because I you know, grew up with uh, tornadoes in Indiana and then came to Utah and I was like, oh, tornadoes uh, like only happened that one time? Cool. What? Lots of snow? Oh, that means lots of skiing. No problem. And it's hot in the summer. You just got to avoid the valley. Okay, fine. No problem. And then now there's earthquakes. Great. <laughs>
0: Indeed. Anyway, although you were saying about Attack on Titan.
1: Yeah, you're hooking us, man. I want to hear the rest <laughs> of
2: it. Oh, yeah. So one day, while they're all living, a, a giant, colossal... A skinless titan appears that breaks the hole, like makes a hole in the wall, and a bunch of titans come in. And uh, Aaron, the protagonist, and his friends join the titan-killing army, where a lot of people die. A lot of people. (laughs) So, so uh, part of it is that as like the story continues, they're trying to go to Aaron's basement in his old house because his dad probably had probably knew stuff about the titans. Which he did, because he was from the old country, from the old house, home, whatever you want to call it. I want to call it the motherland, but I don't. Anyways, that's neither here nor there. But as they're doing all this, they they find out there's like special titans. So there's like that giant colossal titan. There's a titan that's like armored. There's a titan that can command other titans. Uh, there's a titan that runs in all fours, and one that looks like a giant monkey. So part of what Aaron's doing where I'm at now is that he was looking for the other Titans and he just became like Titan Messiah and just gained like a giant spine that allows him to control all Titans on earth.
0: I've been waiting for him to grow a spine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Actually,
2: Aaron's not a great protagonist for like 90% of the book. Uh, he yells a lot. he's angry. he makes like rash decisions and is constantly needing to be saved. He messes up more things than he does correctly. Oh, yeah. so him now as like a revolution uh, he's pretty much a terrorist he's he became interesting. he became like a like what I wanted him to become. he has a plan. he's executing the plan he's he's good. I like him.
0: did he finally turn into Mikasa then? uh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, for a long time that that story had wrong protagonist syndrome because it really yeah. should have been following the girl, but nope, she has to be the love interest.
2: Well, like the thing is that now where it's at or Eren has essentially become the villain. Uh it's sh- now, now that he's interesting, now they're shifting over to Mikasa to be the protagonist.
0: Okay. So
2: there's just, uh, just a which just I don't know, the uh it's real good. It, it it's getting real good. Uh, yeah, I
0: understand that the the more recent stuff has been more engaging, um, but I, you know, kind of got into it in the middle of like
2: the hype cycle.
0: Yeah, it was a bit. It was a bit lolly. Yeah, that's
2: not a.
0: That's not a word, but
2: yeah. Uh, other than that, I was also catching up on this old, not old. It's it's a new book. They just stopped for a while, but it's called Gleipnir, and it's about I a it, never read it. Okay, it's a it's a kid who who like one day can transform into like a giant mascot dog suit. And there are other people who have other powers and there pe- he finds out people are looking for these coins because if they can turn in these coins there's an alien that will give them special abilities. So everybody's looking for these coins and he partners up with this girl who opens him up Uh, the uh, zipper in the back and gets inside his fleshy bear
0: suit that is also somebody's fetish
2: oh absolutely (laughs) it's they just started coming out with the anime which is why i started rereading the book i like to double dip when i like something uh so like when when like a comic that i've been reading they make an anime for it i'll go back and read it as it's coming out as the show was coming out and uh it's it's good. Uh, I think I have a problem with it that I have with a lot of shows, where it tends to shoehorn a lot of fan service into it, and for the most part, it doesn't take away from like the interesting development that happens. Because uh, there's a lot of interesting elements of like betrayal, people with like hidden agendas, very uh, like very interesting like dual identity type stuff. Like it, it's genuinely a, an interesting story, but man, when a girl starts fighting she has to be wearing a mini skirt yeah and she has to you know she has to do high kicks so you know
0: i mean if you're not doing high kicks in a skirt can you actually call yourself anime
2: (laughs) probably not (laughs) (laughs) uh but uh, yeah i've been reading that and also saga i've been uh catching up on saga Ah, saga it's been on hiatus for like a year i don't know if it's I don't know when it's gonna come back because uh, you know this whole uh, situation with the corona, yep. with the coronavirus, the coronavirus, um, my corona.
1: You know that you know that a Weird Al is like tied himself to a chair, being like, "No, I'm not gonna do that one." He <laughs> did that yeah. song already.
2: So yeah, so I've been rereading Saga, and I was gonna re uh, catch up with the, up to the hiatus. Um. Because I actually have not been caught up for a while. But Saga Saga's good, guys. It's such a good book.
0: It's that's one of my biggest blind spots, I think, in in comics. Like at least as far as hashtag comics everybody are is talking about, which is not a good hashtag. It's
2: it's gonna make you uncomfortable. Oh yeah. There's a lot of, I mean, there's like a there's like a space bounty hunter who has like a love fling with like a topless spider lady. Uh there's like a half That's actually there's
1: Stevens a, fetish so <laughs> hey, hey, hey. there's a no shame just uh, didn't want to ouch you but you know
2: <laughs> there's a ghost teen who is missing her lower half so like her intestines are hanging out but she's a ghost so it's fine and she's a babysitter for the for the family that we follow in this in the book <laughs> uh there's like a there's like so a skinless cat there's lying cat which everybody knows lion cat who tells people when they're lying.
1: Oh yeah lie
0: I've seen the meme
2: yeah lying cat lying
0: uh it's it's good
2: i I think it's good it's very adult uh but I think one of my f- favorite things about it is it has that kind of uh how do that adventure time sense of like stupidity of like whimsy where if you can think it or if it's even semi- plausible you can do it and it, it because there's just, like things when they're trying to escape the planet that they're on and this all happens like, in the first six issues it's like the first volume they they have to go find a a forest of tree rocket ships of just rocket ships that are trees and like it's just like that sense of like whimsy where like you know Brian Kavon is just coming up with things and he's like you know whatever it's fine this is a thing that exists in my world now yeah exactly it's very good. It's I, I just like it a lot, and I think everybody should read it un- unless you are you don't like, you know, adult content. Then I'm sorry, you're gonna miss out on
1: one of the best books. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he was gonna turn into like a kid from Dare and be like, unless you don't want to be cool.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'll give you
2: the first comic. The first comic's free. <laughs>
1: <laughs> can't really flick a can't really flick a vape like you could a cigarette, but so some of the edginess is lost. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah.
2: Anyway, saga's good. That's all I'm gonna say. I'll say that every day until
1: until uh, I die.
0: That's a that's a pretty good roundup of comics. Anybody have anything else that they really want to like throw in?
1: Don't don't read Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> if you're looking for an escape. Sometimes I'd look I fire it up and I'm like, oh, what's going oh
2: no. If if you want like a positive book to like really inspire you to be the best person you can be, read Superman Smashes the Clan. Oh, that book's good. It was a lot better than I thought it was going to be, and I feel bad saying that,
0: <laughs> but
1: it was really good.
0: Yeah, it ended pretty strong, I thought.
1: Does he indeed smash the clan? Spoiler alert.
0: Yes, it's not the Ku Klux Klan, because they have all no. the brand like rubbed off. It's the Ku Klux Klan, for all intents and purposes.
1: Oh, yeah, the oh, pointy ghost. But those. it's not officially... Oh, okay. You're right. you're they
0: okay. call themselves the Clan of the Fiery Cross, because... Real subtle. Real subtle. It's yeah. it's the subtlest yeah. thing. Um, it ended really well. Like I think uh, Gene Yang was the right person to write that book because Yang is uh, Chinese American, and so he has that uh, you know as part of his heritage. And the original Clan of the Fiery Cross story featured a Chinese American family. And so he was able to kind of like connect with those main characters and bring his own experience growing up the son of immigrants to the story. Like, I, I think Yang did a really good job and he took the story in some interesting directions that I don't think were intuitive. Um, he really, I mean, they, they should be, but he really leans into Superman as, a, as an immigrant and he explores passing privilege in a way that, like, I don't... I've, I've not loved it when other writers have tried to do that. But Yang does a really good job. Superman Smashes the Climb was excellent. Highly recommended to anybody who wants to pick it up.
1: Yeah. It's short, too. When you say passing privilege, do you mean, like, privilege of those who can pass as a local? Is that what you mean, or am I... I
0: like, I'm Superman looks like the the predominant ethnicity. He, he looks like a white...
1: Boy from Kansas. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And so it's interesting because when this series portrays uh, his parents in flashbacks, they don't look like humans. They look alien. And so I think that's a really great way of really, you know, helping to visualize what Kal-El is going through.
2: It's, it's funny because uh, part, part of that made me think of a friend. I have a friend who is Mexican. Uh-huh. but he he looks white like you can't tell by looking at him uh, his family does look hispanic i've i haven't met them i've only seen them through like pictures but he doesn't look like he's their kid and mm-hmm. it's one of those things that when i found out he spoke spanish and everything it's like oh oh interesting so like that i thought that was like an interesting aspect of like superman smashes the clan at least for me because like i'd seen it firsthand like uh-huh. passing
0: yeah, no, uh, that's probably the one of the best, if not the best comics that I've read in the past year. Like, new for the first time. Uh, uh, yeah, really good.
2: Man, I sure wish DC had, like, a decent Marvel, a decent comic reading subscription service so we could read it.
0: Didn't you have the DC service thing?
2: Uh-huh, I stand by what I said.
0: <laughs> 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 uh
2: you know, for as little effort, okay, and I don't mean to diss Marvel Unlimited because that's what our whole podcast is based on, <laughs> but for like as little effort as it feels like they put into the 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 service, like it's still like miles better. It has like a better organization system. It's a lot more searchable. The content library and like what is on there is a lot better because you can you you know for like almost a fact that if it's like a like a Marvel Max book. Or, or if it's something a little edgier than normal, or it's brand new, you know it's not going to be on the app. You kind of already have that idea. You you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. With DC, you don't ever really know on the DC Universe app.
1: No rhyme or reason to it.
2: Yeah, sometimes they'll have some stuff that you expect, and sometimes they'll have like a whole run of like Birds of Prey from like the early '90s for whatever reason. And but they won't have stuff like Batman Hush on it. And sometimes it'll be there. But it'll be there for a month, and I don't know. <laughs> it's a it's very very Netflix like in that it's constantly getting updated, but stuff is also getting rotated.
0: Well, that stinks. They own it. Why can't they just leave it on there?
2: Yeah. I th- I think it's I think they just want to make sure that they get the sales for the books. So... I don't know. It's it's not been my favorite. I mean, there's just, I've like I reread Power Girl uh, with uh, what's what's their name. Amanda um, Connor. Yes, Amanda Connor, Jimmy Palmiotti. Yeah.
0: Was Dustin Gray on that one as well? Or yes, you... it's always Palmiotti okay. and Gray. Yeah, they do a lot of work together.
2: Yeah, so I reread that and that was that was great for that to be on there. But I forgot what uh I don't think they had like Gotham Police Department, GCPD, which is one of my favorite Batman books. Gotham Central. Gotham Central, yes.
0: Never read that. Heard it's good.
2: It's real good i love it it's it's i if you like police procedurals and you want to see the police department be frustrated by batman it's a great book (laughs) (laughs) yeah but that stuff that wasn't on it and it was like really like really really you have gotham the show out why why is this not on there also (sighs) okay i'm gonna rant a little bit just like two, (laughs) two, two seconds two seconds all right. One of the things I like about Disney Plus is that I know almost for a fact that like stuff is going to end up on it at some point, or it's going to end up on Hulu because it's too spicy, uh, right? And or they're going to like censor out the butt and splash, you know, whichever. It's a toss up. But I know it's going to be somewhere. Um, but like the fact that like some of some of the newer. Live-action DC movies aren't on there. Like, Shazam's not on there. Shazam should absolutely be on that service. What? Uh, Birds of Prey should absolutely be on that service. And it's it's not. And it
1: bothers me because I pay money for it. It's like, why have a service if you're not going to put all of your content on there? Yeah,
0: exactly. Or, or
1: somewhere like, you know, if it's not on Disney+, Plus, it's on Hulu. Like, something else you own. Yeah, they have, it's Warner Brothers. They have stuff.
2: You know, the, the Harley Quinn show was like the only... Really good thing to come out of that service. I'm done ranting.
1: No, you're not. We still have to talk about the comic tonight. <laughs> I still give them money every month, but <laughs> I shouldn't.
2: <laughs> I should stop.
1: You're like, but at what cost? Oh, yeah, the cost of the... Yeah,
2: it's like 7 <laughs> I guess you could say this is my own secret war that I have with them.
0: Mm. Marvel Comics is replete with secret wars, so we should probably talk about one of them. Yeah. That was pretty good it was a pretty good like layup although I feel like I, I faltered a little bit on the, the no
2: no I think you did well with what I gave you
0: <laughs> 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 so tonight we're talking about secret wars 1984 through 1985 a uh, 12 issue miniseries written by Jim shooter with art by Mike Zeck and Bob Layton it's is a very well-known story that Secret Wars was, in fact, a marketing gimmick. Uh, Mattel partnered with Marvel, and they got like a think tank together, and they found out that uh, kids were really reacting well to hypothetical story titles that included the words war and secret. And so they just slapped those two words together, Secret Wars, came up with a bunch of characters that they wanted to feature who they thought would make good toys and they launched it
2: Oh man because you know every kid was lining up for that for that molecule man toy
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know why, why wasn't
2: Green goblin in this? I feel like he would have been... might have
0: been dead at the time
2: So was doom
1: apparently oh yeah nobody really got like we got magneto we got doom. The the wrecking crew was in there, so I don't know what like maybe they were really huge in the eighties, but like they were downgraded to like C list bad guys for the runaways to fight in uh one of the runs that I really liked of theirs. Yeah. I don't like,
2: know, maybe they just had leftover G.I. Joe
1: models and the wrecking, wrecking Crew was crew. Yeah. <laughs> That's actually probably like a real consideration. It's like all right, we have these molds already done, who would fit this? Wrecking crew, huh? All right. Yeah. how how many generic white men do you have for us in your <laughs> in your roster marvel <laughs> boy <Yeah. laughs> only the good guys oh <laughs> so that's that's
0: like our setup really this is a giant toy commercial and it plays like a toy commercial where you throw all the toys in the middle of a box like you throw them out of the box and then you just like ram them into each other uh until you have a winner. <laughs>
2: Except the kid here is, is he's like probably like 14 or 13 and he's really, really hitting that puberty
0: hard. Oh gosh. <laughs> yeah,
1: that'll be discussed, right? <laughs>
0: Aldo's got some thoughts about this
1: thirsty, thirsty comic.
2: And his little sister comes in and throws her like doll in there and he's like, oh, she can be a healer because that's what girls do. <laughs> and Johnny Storm likes her. <laughs>
0: So the plot of this book has this group of heroes, and it's made up... I'm not going to list every character who's in this. Uh, The heroes are kind of led by Captain America. There are a couple of other Avengers in there. Uh, The Hulk, the Wasp, She-Hulk. Captain Marvel, who is currently Monica Rambeau, who has, like, light powers. You've got a couple of X-Men in there, including Professor X, who can walk for some reason. And Magneto, who is lumped in with the X-Men. You've got Spider-Man... Uh, like, all of these heroes... Oh, and some of the Fantastic Four, of course. Gotta gotta mention the Fantastic Four. All of these heroes are just kind of, like, thrown together. There's no apparent reason for them all to be together. And they turn up in this building on this random planet that's just been assembled by bits and pieces of a bunch of other different planets. In another building nearby are a whole bunch of villains. And they really are divided, like, heroes versus villains. Super, like, basic, very, very elementary grade storytelling here where the good guys are the good guys and the bad guys are the bad guys. And there's very little effort to paint the bad guys with like anything approaching real sympathy. Notable bad guys include the absorbing man, a character who I don't think we've seen much of. I kind of like him. Yeah. He's, he shows up (laughs) from stuff that I've read of him. He's actually kind of an interesting character uh, Dr. Doom is of course present. he's he's the big bad and probably the most notable character in the entire story. The enchantress, uh, the molecule man, Ultron, and then as we mentioned, the the wrecking crew who are basically just here to serve as superpowered thugs to get bossed around. Also, Galactus is there. immediately after everything gets like established, Galactus and Magneto both just, like, disappear and go off and do their own things. But all of these heroes and villains have been brought together to this place called Battleworld by a being called the Beyonder. And the Beyonder tells them that if they can kill their enemies, he will grant them whatever their hearts desire. And so the two sides wind up just going to war. They're fighting each other basically because of this big bad voice from Beyond Tells them to. There's not really a whole lot that, like, happens for half of this story. It's just the heroes and the villains get together and fight, and then they go their separate ways to lick their wounds. Villains get captured. Villains get released from captivity. Uh, We do have a moment where Dr. Doom is able to harness some powers to uh, turn a couple of women that are they're on battleworld they're it's not really expressed in the story but they were on a segment of Battle World that was pulled from earth
1: denver colorado was it denver denver yep oh. and they weren't they weren't previously connected at all they were just like i've plucked two women from denver colorado yep.
2: yeah like they just showed up or
1: something
0: yep and doom turns them into supervillains
1: <laughs> well when life gives you random women you turn them into supervillains Yep,
0: yeah, that's what i learned from tinder yep <laughs> wow
2: you and i tinder very differently
0: <laughs> well one of us got married from tinder what did the other one do
2: uh still swiping right <laughs> i'm i'm going for 100% completion stephen am <laughs> so gonna i'm
1: gonna swipe right until i get the achievement <laughs> You know, Aldo has a history of Pokemon, so he thinks, Tinder, you gotta catch them all. (laughs) I won't stop till I
2: swiped right on all all of them. Oh, jeez.
0: Anyway, so, Doctor Doom creates these two supervillains, Titania and Volcana. I've never actually seen Volcana in anything else. Titania has shown up a couple of times. I've seen her in, like, a solo She-Hulk run. I've, I've read other things with her. She actually winds up being kind of interesting, too. Um... The same chunk of planet Earth also is home to a new Spider-Woman. There was another Spider-Woman that had previously been established, and that's uh, Jessica Drew. This is different Spider-Woman. This Spider-Woman eventually turns into Madam Web, as we read in uh, Spider-Island. And I don't remember this Spider-Woman's name offhand.
2: Oh, well, it's not uh, Jessica Drew.
0: No, it's the other one. <laughs> Anyway, oh, that was the joke. So, <laughs> this comic is kind of a big introduction for the Spider-Woman character. I do think that she appeared elsewhere beforehand, but like this is where she's like kind of brought into prominence.
1: And some of this stuff happened concurrently like we would get the new Spider-Man costume before the explanation of why he was in a black costume.
0: Right, and I think that's probably just due to like publishing schedules. Yeah. Like it was planned that he went off to this other Planet came back with a new costume, but for the full story of how he got that costume, you had to read the comic. And it turns out that the full story is Spider-Man tore his costume, and then he got another one.
2: Yep. Yep. You know, no Secret Wars has ever had publishing timeline issues ever. It's
0: really bizarre for a Hmm. comic series with that title to have publishing schedule issues.
2: Yeah, never happens.
0: Never happens.
2: Nope.
0: Except for twice. (laughs) Uh, another notable development is there is there's this village of uh like an alien race they don't speak the same language as the the heroes and villains
2: they speak in cursive
0: yeah they speak in cursive (laughs) (laughs) they seem sympathetic to the heroes at the very least they don't like seeing people die so they have a a healer in the village her name is zhaji I believe is how that would be pronounced. I don't speak cursive. Uh, <laughs> Zhaji has healing powers. And so she heals the heroes over and over and over again of of their ailments and their problems. And I, as a, as a parent, side effect of her healing powers is that people fall in love with her or something like that. It doesn't, it, but it's only, it's very heteronormative. Only the men fall in love with her. So Johnny Storm and Jaji hook up. Colossus gets healed by Jaji, and he just feels like this really deep emotion towards her to the point where he's going to break up with his real world girlfriend, Kitty Pride, once he gets home.
1: See, I think he was just like putting his emotions for Kitty on... <laughs> The closest warm body he could find, and then that was Zhaji. They do
0: break up as a result of this, though. Oh, really? What? Wow. They I, do.
2: I guess you would have had to read this to know why they broke up. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, pretty much. And so that's a whole thing. Uh, that's really it as far as notice, like notable developments for a while. Eventually, the supervillain Claw just shows up. Apparently, he was somehow trapped in Galactus's ship. Doom frees him somehow manages to, like, cut Claw's body up and turn it into lenses to magnify the powers of the Beyonder and steal them. So Doom gets the power of the Beyonder and becomes basically a god. We've seen characters become gods in Marvel Comics before, and much like we would eventually see with, like, Infinity Gauntlet, Doom winds up being his own undoing because He uses his powers to destroy the heroes, but subconsciously he doesn't really want them dead, so he leaves this sort of like loophole where they can come back to life. And it turns out that they do come back to life. They fight him. The Beyonder shows up, steals his powers back, and everybody goes back home. They get wish powers, but their wish powers basically result in them having the ability to restore the things that they lost in the fight. Like Captain America rebuilds his shield. A couple of notable changes as a result of this story... The Thing winds up leaving the Fantastic Four for a little bit, and She-Hulk comes aboard, so she's now a member of the Fantastic Four.
2: Man, I, sh- I sure hope the Fantastic Four comic book explained that, and you don't have to read a whole 12-issue series to find out. <laughs>
0: nope. uh, Spider-Man, of course, gets the alien costume. Uh, Colossus and Kitty Pride break up. Professor X can walk again. I think that probably carries through to the comics for a little bit.
2: Oh yeah! Doesn't he? He has his own stupid suit, and he decides he's going to be combat leader. Yeah. I oh my god! This book. You know, I look at Charles Xavier with rose-colored eyes. uh, Every time I think about like the X-Men classic cartoon, but the more I read,
0: the more I hate him. He's bad. Yeah, he is. As it turns out, not a good person. No. No, 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 not not a huge fan. Yeah. Uh, no. So anyway, like those are the big plot points. I think let's talk about this weirdo story. Uh,
2: this, this distinct lack of Deadpool. I know for a fact he was there.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, I did read that. Apparently, in a Deadpool comic, it was revealed that Deadpool was actually present, but somehow the Wasp made everyone forget that he was
2: there. Yeah, she wanted to forget him so hard that everybody forgot about him.
0: Oh, that was the wish that she
2: got. <laughs> yeah, probably. No more Deadpool. Yeah, so the whole thing with Deadpool, which we should read at some point. Apparently, it's actually pretty good. I just know this from reading wiki articles because I, I didn't like Deadpool. I mean, I still don't like Deadpool. But <laughs> he's the reason why the Venom symbiote is so crazy and nutty because he wore it first before Peter Parker wore it.
0: Oh, that's uh-huh. pretty
2: funny. Yeah. Uh, but, okay, so there's, like, a lot of things that happen in this book, and I don't know how we want to tackle it. There, there are a few good things. Yeah, like the Hulk lifting a mountain.
0: Yeah. Oh, my good. gosh, yeah. <laughs> Molecule <Mild laughs> Man drops a mountain on the heroes, and the Hulk just, like, holds it up. He's like, guys, this is kind of heavy.
2: And Reed Richard just keeps, like, <laughs> kind of, like, insulting him so he gets angrier so he can hold the mountain up. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, do what you gotta do, you know. Yeah, I love how he does it, too. He's just complimenting everybody but him.
1: <laughs> I I liked the art for the most part. You know, not every single panel was great, but um, I really like uh, Stan Lee's How to Draw Comics the Marvel Way with John Buscema. And they, um, it, uh, it's like, this book is like, yep, this is, this is how you do it. This is what a Marvel comic looks like. And great poses.
0: Um. I think the art is mostly just serviceable throughout the book until like I think once claw shows up I don't think that's like why but around that time they start taking I think more risks artistically and then when doom gets the beyonders powers in issues 11 and 12
1: we start to see some real cool stuff mostly I was like okay finally we're going somewhere and it's not just Mm -hmm. like oh we're gonna fight I think the heroes fight each other more than they fight the villains
0: yeah there was a lot of friction really bothered like Like, the x-men and the rest of the heroes that's actually
2: one of the things i like is uh i like how much wolverine does not appreciate how for lack of a better word but now for a more accurate one how racist captain america and like the other heroes are against mutants yeah. And he has like that little rant towards the end where he, you know, he tells him, like, you know, you're, you're a star spangled guy and you protect the American people and the American way, but like only the people who aren't born mutants, you know, good, like born in the USA mutants aren't worthy of your protection. And he they, they tops it off by going, like, I used to look up to you, bub.
1: He's just like, oh, man. And then Captain oh. America said, well, you're a Canadian. You don't have to live here. Or whatever. <laughs>
2: <laughs> what, do you go back to your to your excellent healthcare system? Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> There's a really cringy Captain America line when he's talking to Wolverine later on when Wolverine's like, you know what, you're okay, and you, like, look out for all people, and Captain America says, some of my best friends are people. It's not a good line. Also,
2: <laughs> people really, I mean, and I get it, because Captain America and Magneto are both, like, old AF from like World War II, but people really like to make analogies about World War II and Nazis here. Mm -hmm. Like they compare Magneto to a Nazi, which is kind of a big no-no. Yeah, And then they compare Captain America to a Nazi and that's a bit of a (laughs) (laughs) no-no. That that hits harder today than it probably did 30 years ago.
0: (laughs) Well, I mean, today Captain America's been a Nazi.
2: I did not see that coming.
0: Yeah, Secret Empire. I think we'll have to read that at some point. Find out if it is actually as hateable as it apparently is.
1: And that's what followed um, the Second Civil War, right? I, th- I
0: think It so? was part of it,
1: yes. I think it flowed through it.
0: Yeah. Um, but anyway, getting back to this story. Um, yeah, there is some interesting like subtext stuff going on. It's funny to me that, you know... Well, it's understandable that they like use the X-Men to explore racial issues. When they had a couple of black characters there, one of whom was actually being pretty vocal about how uncomfortable he was with uh people treating him differently because he was black. And might that might be because this is Jim Rhodes Iron Man, not Tony Stark, which I didn't pick up on for quite some time. Oh really? wait, what? No, I, I thought it was Stark. Even get that. Johnny Storm notices that Colossus is wounded, and Jaji is going to go heal him. And Storm is like, hey, uh, can she actually heal him? Because, you know, he's a different race. He, he's pretty casually racist. And Iron Man flips out, and he's like, let me get this straight. A guy who can burst into flames has doubts that this broad from planet Mongo can help this mutant dude? Thank God he ain't black, huh? <laughs> and then later on, there's a sequence where... Reed Richards is repairing Iron Man's armor, and you can see his arm, and it's black. And he says, I bet you didn't think Iron Man was a black man. And Richards says, oh, I didn't even notice. Because, you know, Richards doesn't see color.
2: No, he just sees humans as inferior.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, anyway, interesting racial stuff. I applaud it making an effort. Don't think it works, but at least they tried.
2: That's, that's the name of my autobiography. I don't think
0: it works at least it tried <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah so that was that was interesting i I liked it I don't know it felt a little out of place for the book
1: but I mean
2: whatever I didn't expect racial commentary in my book about mashing together action figures
1: yeah because that's that's ultimately what this was I was like did this really need to be twelve issues like even these little <laughs> character moments it's like who cares like the the Wasp and Magneto, I was like, "What?" the... But then it turns out she was like playing him, and I was like, "Okay, that I can respect. That's cool."
2: Okay, okay, are we gonna talk about this? Are we gonna talk Let's about, about the uh, thirst? This book is horny. I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not gonna sugarcoat it. Uh, yeah. Colossus and Johnny Storm were both after Jaji. Magneto tries to, or he succeeds. He successfully makes out with the Wasp, who plays him, because uh, he's a simp, as the kids on TikTok would say. Uh hold on. There's there's a couple things I'm missing here. There's a few things. Oh yeah. Uh Absorbing Man totally totally gets a fling going with Titania. Molecule Man has a thing with Volcania.
0: Uh Thor to and Enchantress. Okay, but in, in fairness, that is literally her whole deal.
2: Okay, but not the part with her and Thor.
0: Like, that was her. Yes, she, it is.
2: Well, she was trying to get with Thor, then she was, like, pining over him. And she's like, if you just
0: said yes, like, I would have I would have tried. That is her deal. Okay. As a character, that's what she's all about.
2: Anyways, it doesn't stop the fact that it happened here.
0: Yeah, like, at this point, it's just a data point. But in general, that's yeah. what she does.
2: There's also the part where Iron Man... Oh I thought it was Tony Stark but I guess uh Rhodey is also very into the ladies and he's like I got to keep an eye on the Spider-Woman but she's got great legs. Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm pretty sure I'm missing like one or two things but yeah there's a lot of a lot of people here are real real thirsty. Yeah, indeed. I guess war does that to you. I don't know. I've never been in one.
0: <laughs>
2: Especially not a secret one.
0: The Magneto Wasp bit, though, especially. I was like, com- I was actually thrown out of the book by that. Did not expect that to be a thing. He,
2: he is like 40 years her senior. Yeah. 40
0: years her senior.
2: Granted, he is in fantastic shape. <laughs> but,
0: but still.
1: <laughs> Doesn't mean it's all right.
0: I think some characters in this book get pretty good treatment. Wasp is not one of them. She survives a plane crash and she's like, oh, I broke a nail. Yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> it was the 80s, Steven. It was a different time.
0: Yeah. Captain Marvel wasn't <laughs> breaking nails. Captain Marvel's made a light. Spider Woman wasn't breaking nails. She has spider nails. Invisible Girl couldn't come because she had to be home barefoot pregnant in the kitchen. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love how they were like, we're not gonna let we're not gonna let any pregnant ladies near this thing. There's no no stakes will be set for the, the, the everything. She's fine. Everybody, don't worry about it.
2: Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, flash forward to like 2015 when we had you know a year long arc of Jessica Drew being a
0: superhero pregnant. Yeah, very irresponsible. I haven't read that. There was a lot of criticism of that because that's not a great way for a pregnant mom to act. But in fairness, haven't read it either. <laughs> Same. Also, yeah,
1: her her and uh, her physiology or whatever. Maybe she has like. You know.
0: <laughs> this can't go anywhere good. Nope. Nope, <laughs> abort. Can't. Abort. Nope. nope. Abort? Uh, oh, unfortunate choice of words. Yeah. Oh.
2: oh. Hey, remember that time, like, seven super villains beat the crap out of She-Hulk and the crow bought her to the face?
0: Oh Yeah. That was rough. That was actually really hard to read. That was actually,
2: actually, for me, that was kind of a standout moment. Yeah, uh,
0: like, in a good way.
2: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Thank you.
0: Because like you feel a thing, and it sucks because you don't want that to happen to this character that you like. And it's brutal. and it's villains acting like villains, yeah, and, ugh, but it was hard,
2: yeah. And then Dr. Octopus just like throws her into a pile of rubble to like finish her off, essentially yeah. almost does too, apparently, according to Tony Stark and Reed Richards or not yeah. Tony Stark. J Shorty. that still kind of blows my mind. I did not pick up on on that,
0: oh, nope. that's I mean, again, there's a lot of. 80s comic. The storytelling's not quite as as uh, matched to our current sensibilities, Uh and so I think it's easy Uh to miss stuff. I'm sure there were some pretty big developments that I missed, but yeah, that's absolutely James Rhodes. Yeah. Oh, also, I don't. I I know you mentioned that
2: this was like a a thing between them, between Marvel and Mattel, but I think it should also be worth noting that this is the first real this one. This is Marvel's first crossover, first big crossover, but it's also like the first big superhero crossover in.
1: I think ever
0: does this predate uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths. I
1: think it does. I was watching something today, and I think it does. I'm gonna look that up. You guys talk amongst yourselves.
2: But yeah, so so I I don't I think for their first time ever doing a crossover of this of any scale, really. I think it was actually well done. Yeah, there's a lot of stumbling blocks. They don't really do a whole Mm -hmm. lot to. If this is like your first time reading a comic, uh, you you might not. (laughs) Like, there's some stuff that, in it that you're just like, wait, what? Uh, like, the whole thing with with Spider-Woman isn't really explained all that well. Uh, Captain Marvel, granted, I don't know that until 2010, I don't think Captain Marvel was ever really that big.
0: Well, she was leader of the Avengers for a little bit. I yeah. think She was leader of the Avengers at the time that this story was taking place. And she just kind of, like, abdicated that responsibility to Captain America because he's more, uh, I guess, marketable as a leader. Yeah. Plug. I I actually really like Monica Rambeau, Captain Marvel, but I had a, a comics when I was a kid that featured her and the Avengers. And um, so, I've got positive associations with yeah. her.
2: Oh, yeah, there's also the whole thing about like X-Men leader in fighting. Yeah. Cuz I thought Cyclops was the leader, but no, it's actually Storm. But no, it's actually Xavier cuz he's he's a he's Yeah, a he's trying butt. to he's trying to butt in. God, he is just not likable in here at all.
0: No, if this a, a better like if this story were retold today as it is and not as the Jonathan Hickman miniseries, um Professor X would have learned that he is not suited to leading his X-Men in combat and Storm would have had her like Shining character moment, which I think would have been more satisfying.
2: I think the only moment we really get like that happens in the background, where she's yelling at him. He's talking. He's suiting up. He has like his new stupid-looking suit that's like all yellow. It looks like a jumpsuit. It looks it looks worse than like a normal X Men suit. Uh, (laughs) I don't know how he designed really good costumes and then gave himself the dumbest suit. Anyways, (laughs) but like she's yelling at him. He's he's talking about. He's like. Well, now that I can walk, I'll be taking a more active role in combat leadership. And she's like, Charles, this is a game to you. Like, but we're the ones who are in the front lines, like dying. And he's just like, ha ha ha. And it happens in like two speech bubbles in the back. Like, you know, if this was like a modern, like, like you were saying, if this was a modern book. I think that that particular argument would have maybe even had its own page. It would have, it would have culminated in like a big blowout instead of just this little background conversation.
1: I do yeah. like that we get Mohawk um, Storm, who's yeah. the best Storm. Mm-hmm. Mohawk
0: Storm is best Storm. Okay.
1: Uh, Crisis on <laughs> Infinite Earth. This came out eighty four, eighty five. Crisis on Infinite Earth spanned 85, 86. So uh, this, hey. is, this is the one. Yeah, Which okay. surprised right. me because I thought that that was first, and then this this would have followed. Because this feels
0: sloppier than Crisis on Infinite Earths.
1: Well, you know, a lot of times you don't have to be the first; you just have to do it like best, you know.
0: Right, but what I mean is like this feels rushed. Where Crisis on Infinite Earths doesn't feel rushed. I, it's not. I, <sighs> Crisis on if you think this book is boring, Crisis is real boring. So
2: I don't want to say this is wordy. This is boring, and I'm gonna I'm gonna set up for my for my motto, I guess, or catchphrase. It's just wordy. There's a lot of words in this book. It is. It is. There's a lot yeah. of talking and not a lot of saying. Uh so so yeah, I I don't know. But but it's, you know, 80s Marvel. Like like I said, for it being like the first kind of event of its kind, I I think it gets a little bit of leeway. I think when you compare it especially to the new Secret Wars the Hickman stuff, I don't think it really compares, which kind of surprised me. I I I knew I knew Secret Wars 2015 was really good. And I thought this was going to be almost as good. But in my opinion, it almost doesn't compare.
1: You know, reading it, if you read it when it came out and were like a big fan of all of these things, maybe the nostalgia of it would would hold up even today with a new, better example of like what you can do. Because it's, I mean, Doom takes... Great power and and you know reshapes the world. I mean, there's some similarities, sure, and a lot of the same people involved. I think it's just similarities. I think it's. I, I
2: also had wondered why the 2015 was called Secret Wars, and reading this, like it makes sense. It almost feels like like Hickman was like, "What if I got to do Secret Wars?" and they just did. That's probably what happened. You know, Secret
0: Wars 2015 is is absolutely Jonathan Hickman saying. What if we did the exact same story, but, like, updated the sensibilities? And he did. And so, it was really interesting. I actually really liked reading Secret Wars 1984 after having read Secret Wars yeah. 2015. And noticing the similarities and being like, okay, yeah. No, I can see how this would turn into this other aspect once they move into the new series. I, I know why the 2015 uh, Secret Wars featured Molecule Man so heavily... I understand why Battle World exists the way that it does. All of that is really, really great, but because of the 2015 Secret Wars and how how good that series is, 1984 Secret Wars reads like homework.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. You
0: can get good stuff out of it. It's it can even still be an enjoyable experience on some level because I think it is.
2: It is. It's not bad. It's not as bad as like some of the other wordier books we've read.
0: Right. But it reads like homework now. It's like read this so the other thing makes more sense and is better.
2: Yeah. 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 But like, you know, like we mentioned, there is a lot of good stuff. I think a lot of the skirmishes are actually pretty well done. Because mm-hmm. you get a lot of skirmishes you typically don't see. You see a lot of like different rogues galleries fighting heroes that don't necessarily haven't lined up, I think, up until that point. So you're having I, I love the fact that uh like Doctor Octopus gets kind of afraid of Hawkeye because he's like, "Oh no, he's a ranged guy. I can't, um, I can't fight a guy with range." Huh.
0: That's pretty good, actually.
2: Yeah, and then he fights. I think it's when he's fighting She-Hulk, and he's he's like, "Oh, she's just a brawler. I can fight her." You know, me and my seven friends. Bring the crowbar.
0: And surprising, I don't think anyone on this podcast. I don't think anybody comes out of this series looking better than
1: Doom. No, he really is the standout character here. Yeah,
2: I I think... I, I, I like Doom based on the Wikipedia articles I've read of, of, of him. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I really loved him in 2015 Secret Wars. And and in this one, again,
0: fantastic. He really yeah. takes the spotlight. About three, four years ago, I went on a huge Doctor Doom kick and just started reading... like, And it was inspired, I think, by just this random moment in a... Uh, Winter Soldier comic. Winter Soldier shows up to fight... Like, he he's sent to save Doom, who's supposed to... Like, he's a target for assassination, or something like that. And so, uh, Bucky sneaks in through the Latveria castle, and he sneaks up on Doctor Doom. And then Doctor Doom realizes he's there, turns around, and just kicks the crap out of him. And so, Winter Soldier gets warfed in his own comic, basically. Ice. Ice. And it was like, it was a, not the best moment. I think this was a Brubicker book. And so, you know, it, there's a, there's a floor as to how bad it can actually be. It was still pretty good, but it was like interesting enough to me that I started to try to find other stories that featured doom. Mm-hmm. And so I would grab things like there's this great, comic written for kids, and I think it's called Avengers in the Infinity Gauntlet. It's a retelling of the Infinity Gauntlet storyline for kids, and it's got all of this great stuff with Dr. Doom, who's playing himself in this very grandiose fashion, but it's kind of a caricature, where, like, the heroes are all gathered together to discuss what to do with half of humanity having completely vanished from existence, and... Uh, Doom blows up a wall and enters the room And the heroes all attack him And Doom's like, wait, wait, I'm actually here to help you And then Spider-Man says Why didn't you just come through the door? And then Doom says Use the door like a peasant?
2: <laughs> Beautiful
0: That's such a great moment yeah. And then, like So it's stuff like that has made me really appreciate Not just how, like Powerful and ambitious and grandiose Doom is, but also how funny he can be. Yeah. Because Doom is the best supervillain because of how serious the characters have to take him in universe and how ridiculous he is. This comic, and I'm trying to remember if this is issue six or seven, uh, it's around the time that Doom releases Claw, I think. Uh, Doom approaches Claw, and Claw's doing his whole mad shtick and he says to doom you narrate your life as you go along don't you are you being yeah. taped and doom responds and says why yes every utterance of doom must be recorded for posterity
2: <laughs> i i think i think one of my favorite parts actually is uh after after he's taken the beyonder's power and all the heroes go to his tower after he's they've been invited there by you know, lasering their wall inside their home <laughs> and they, they leave. And Captain America is like, wait, what happened to Spider-Woman? And he comes in and he's just sitting in a chair, reading the news while Klaus sings
0: for him. <laughs>
2: yeah. It's, it's kind of a beautiful wow. little moment. Yeah.
0: But then like with all of that, you couple that with the ending to issue 11, where doom has the power of the beyonder. He tells all the heroes, you know, you can go back home it's fine as far as I'm concerned I've got what I've wanted and we can call everything between us square and even and the heroes decide that they can't trust Doom with the powers of a god no matter what he says and so they say it has to be a unanimous decision but if we unanimously decide to attack Doom we're gonna go attack him Colossus is on the fence about it because he uh, doesn't want to he, he doesn't think that Doom's actually gonna be a bad guy or anything but he says you know what Fine, I'll go along with it. And the minute he says, yes, we fight, you turn the page, and they all die. Because Doom has the powers of a god, and he drops, like, fireballs on them, and they just die immediately. He smited them. He did. And so that's the thing about Dr. Doom, is he's both hilarious and terrifying. Yeah.
2: And also, the thing I also love is how he kind of sets himself up to fail in, like, the most like one like 0.001% chance like he always leaves that like he can't just you know erratically like the and the claw points this out at, at the in the next at the beginning mm. of the next book he tells him like you could have just atomized them you could have destroyed them just a huge atom explosion where they stood but you hit them with this bolt in a really flamboyant way cuz that's how doom does stuff he's like they could have survived and he paints this whole scenario where like Colossus survives cuz he turned to steel and Mr. Fantastic's real stretchy so so you know wouldn't get torn apart by this thunderbolt and he's like no I've destroyed them and Claude tells him like no like you you gave them a chance like you set yourself up like you almost want to see them succeed mm-hmm. and again that pretty much happens in the 2015 secret wars where with his his power he he rewrites a lot but he still like leaves some holes and the heroes that survive in the arc exploit those holes and they bring everybody's like memories back and and so forth and so forth
0: yeah i think that's handled much better in secret wars 2015 but i also think it's handled much better in infinity gauntlet which does basically the same thing with thanos and the glove yeah although i do think it's funny like almost as a joke how claw tells him all of this stuff like how things might go, and Doom's like, yeah. "Curse you!" By telling me this, I've imagined it, and now it's happened. How yeah. dare you? And of course, uh, Claw's possessed by the Beyonder at that point, so that's one hundred percent what the Beyonder is going for. Yeah, like he's doing that on purpose.
2: Also, uh, I have a question: Why is Claw just like a big walking can of spam?
0: <laughs>
2: like he's made out of he's made out of solid sound, and <laughs> Doom. Like slices him up and
1: makes them into lenses to absorb the behinder's... What? <laughs> that felt a little Looney Tunes cartoon logic to me, to be honest.
2: Yeah, and the heroes yeah. walk in and they see claws decapitated head, and they're just like, "Oh, I guess Doom, Doom sliced you up and made you into glasses." I bet.
0: <laughs> like that's dumb and probably bad, but I kind of like it anyway. Uh, yeah, I'm not complaining. I'm just saying it's
2: <laughs> it's weird. It is mm-hmm. super weird. It is so weird. I know
0: nothing really about Claw that can't be learned from this comic. I've,
2: I feel like I've learned everything I need to from here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, but um, no, like that visual where Doom has sliced him up and the, he only leaves. It's not even his whole head. It's just like part of his head on a table. It's really disturbing and great. And I actually kind of love it.
1: Yeah, that's... And where I ended, I was like, this is so weird, but what else? I mean, it's it's Claw, who cares? <laughs> it <was> yeah. Like,
2: <laughs> yeah, there's, there's, I don't know. I th- this book was, I think, and it, it was simultaneously better and worse than I expected. I think it's yeah. fair. Yeah.
1: Because the parts that you thought were going to be bad worked and the mm-hmm. stuff that you did. For me it was like, I didn't expect it to be as thirsty as it was. <laughs> Which there's nothing wrong with that, but it just feels a
2: little a little forced. It just a little bit. Yeah. I think one of my favorite background details is seeing Spider-Man travel without skyscrapers. Uh every every time they go somewhere new, you you either see him like it's typically with a Hulk, like he's either like he's or I think it was Iron Man at one point. Like he's uh, webbed up to him, so he's like swinging behind him, and at one point he's riding on the Hulk's shoulders. This is this is one of those little funny details. I don't know if
0: you guys picked up on that. No, I didn't actually. I'm glad you pointed that out because that is pretty fun.
1: Yeah,
2: I like Spider
0: Man. <laughs>
2: what? I Me mean, too. Hey,
1: I like that he uh, beat the he beat the X Men by himself. Um. I don't know if I agree with that. I don't know if that's what would go down in the fight, but uh, it happened in this book. so. It was meant to highlight
0: like what was going on with the X-Men story arc, that they weren't working together as a team.
1: Yeah. No, I get that. I,
2: uh... Also, okay, I'm sorry. One of, one of my favorite things about this book, um, <laughs> I love that, <laughs> that Xavier just like wakes people up with a giant projection of his head.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and
2: scares and scares the crap out of all of them and then complains that they're taking ah. too long to get there
1: <laughs> oh wake up colossus <laughs> yeah, it's, like, it's like something he like he probably was really nice but then had a couple of like generations of really bad students that he had to do that for and now he's just that's his mode
2: he's now like, that's just what he does he just yeah, can't not do like, it I yeah. will not accept any lip from anyone <laughs> yeah <laughs> I just thought that was... I don't know. That that, that just seemed hilarious to me. Um, it probably wasn't meant to be a joke, but it felt like one.
1: Feels like a real violation of privacy. Yeah. Marker Colossus. More like Charles x uh, Oh.
2: More like Suck Xavier instead of Chuck. Or like, <laughs> or like Beef Chuck Xavier. Anyways, I'm done.
1: Mm. <laughs> Joke explanations always make me feel better. Always. one hundred. Are
0: we ready to rank this?
1: Yeah, because uh, I think I think the more we talk about it, the more we'll talk ourselves into it being, like, really great or really bad, and it's neither. It's
0: not. <laughs> no, it's not. Like, I stand by my homework comment earlier. Yeah. It's it's worth reading, but in the same way that it's worth reading, like, I don't know. Infinity uh, Gauntlet? Hey. <laughs>
1: Hey, Aldo, great example. You're totally right. An old crossover comic <laughs> that's wordy and feels like work.
0: <sighs> Y'all make me sad. So currently on our list, we have 93 comics. We haven't had anything in the number one like break into the, the highest highs and nothing has replaced the lowest lows. And this week, it's kind of more of the same. We've just got a pretty, like, solid comic that goes somewhere in the middle. Where do we want to make rank Secret Wars 1984?
1: <sighs> <laughs> what's <don't> the <laughs> answer to Life, the Universe, and Everything, Steven?
0: I mean, that would be 42.
1: That's my thought, looking at what's in, what's in that area. Okay. But I could be persuaded to go higher or lower. I okay. just That's about the point where I'm like, eh... But even then I liked uh, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur more. Yeah, but this is, you know, this is a big deal this comic. So. Yeah, but this is better than But this
2: is better than Craven's Last Hunt.
0: I don't know that I agree with that. Really? I don't know.
2: I think this. I mean, even even at its length I thought this was better.
0: I think this has higher highs than Craven's Last Hunt. But I think Craven's I think Craven's Last Hunt has a stronger thesis and has more like cohesion to its story it knows what it wants to do right out the gate and sticks the landing whereas this takes a while for it to really figure out what it's trying to do
2: oh they never explain what's going on with the thing
0: yeah no they never do yeah. that we completely forgot to mention that the thing keeps reverting back to ben Grimm, and he keeps changing back and forth and it never is really explained why
2: that they didn't explain that in your collector's training cards
0: no, I was collecting cards in the 90s. This is an 80s comic.
2: Well, then. Your cards could have, have failed a little me. history
0: blurb on there.
2: This is what I get for believing
0: in the heart of the cards. Ha, <laughs> It's a Yu-Gi-Oh reference, and therefore it's funny. It's time to... So, I'm personally leaning more towards putting this at 46, just above the Star Wars manga. Because, like John, I enjoy Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur better and this is like good it's a good comic that's worth reading which puts it in the section above the Star Wars manga but I would rather read everything above the Star Wars manga I'd probably even rather read the Star Wars manga but I think this is more important than the Star Wars manga and so it gets the edge so that's where I would vote to put it would be at 46
2: yeah I don't have any any strong feelings about this book Uh, so I'm perfectly (laughs) okay putting it there Every time I think of something good about this book, I remember something bad. So, like, <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> now, it, I mean, we, we've talked about you know seeing the better example of of this you know type of story with Jonathan Hickman. Do do are the bad things? It feels like my complaints and my bad things about it are kind of because of its age, a a um, you know pre woke uh, era. <laughs>
2: Yeah, but I, oh, I I don't know. I don't think age has that much to do with it. I think in our top 10s we have a couple of the older books. We have that's I mean true. we have in we have Infinity Jumplet in there, guys. Well, that's because
1: our our podcast founder for some reason just, <laughs> you know, has it stashed under his pillow every night. Yo, it's a good book, okay? <laughs> it's a fine book. Throwing around that term good look, it doesn't mean anything, but <laughs>
0: Well, I just want to point out as well, two of our top 10 comics are from the 60s. That's what I just so, said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I wasn't listening. <laughs>
1: Ooh, got gotcha you there, Aldo. Ah. <laughs>
2: Dang. Uh, I also want to point out that our two books from the 60s are
0: are also Spider-Man books. <laughs> Spider-Man's in this book too, so.
2: Yeah. So clearly it should, it should be, never mind. Yeah, I think 46 is fine. I, I think. Yeah. I think there's something to be said for, I, th- you know, it doesn't meander nearly as long as like Dark Phoenix saga does. Actually, it doesn't meander because it just.
1: It- I would disagree with that too. Uh, I think it meanders it, a lot. It, it meanders a lot more. At least Dark Phoenix stays on point.
0: Do you remember when the wasp and the lizard met in the swamp and the lizard fell in love with the wasp? Oh yeah, and, and, then, then, they never pl-
1: and then they play patty cake with claw. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah, that's a thing so see better, every thing
2: every time I remember something. Bad, I remember something good, and I just remembered uh, <laughs> claws, Claw and the lizard playing patty cake, yeah. and then getting angry because somebody interrupted.
0: <laughs> but going back to John's point, um, I don't think that the problems with this book are necessarily because of how old, quote-unquote, it is. It's not really that old in the grand history of comics. True. But I think it's it's how crass it is, because this is a marketing exercise first and a story second. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's, I think, what holds it back more than anything else. You're right. I, yeah.
2: It doesn't feel, it feels planned out in the sense that, like, there's points they need to hit, but it doesn't feel nearly as planned out as, like, Secret Wars felt, where, like, there was a map and there was stuff happening, and it felt like, like somebody actually knew what all these characters were meant to do at different places. And going back to that, to that wasp and, and, uh, alligator, crocodile. So, which one? Lizard. Lizard. <laughs> ah, it's, you know, it's fine. <laughs> going back to that example, that does feel, like, as charming as I thought that was, it really did feel like they were writing Wasp going back to meet up with the heroes, and then somebody in the editing room going like, wasn't the lizard here?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'd forgotten that the lizard was in this story until he showed up in the swamp. Yeah. Also, why was
2: Green Goblin not here? <laughs>
1: I'm sorry. That just no. I really think that like it's a weird mix of rogues' galleries, right? Yeah. We get the event. Well, we no. no, Weird. That's not the right word because we like we get the Fantastic Four's big bats, Galactus, and Doctor Doom. The Avengers. We have Kang. We have Ultron.
2: Kang dies really early on. Yeah. I forgot about Kang until like they brought him back later.
1: Yeah. Yep. We get Magneto. You know, but we don't get Green Goblin. We get the lizard, and we get Doc Ock for Spider Man. Is the Wrecking Crew? Are they? Are they Spider Man? They're Avengers villains. They're Avengers villains. Okay. So... The Absorbing
0: Man and the Enchantress are Thor villains.
1: Right. right. Neither yeah. one. Who is Thor's like big bad? Loki, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. Sorry, that's... that was a stupid question because. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, my mind was clouded by love of. No,
2: well, I species. I actually don't blame you because I I don't know who. I mean, I don't know for certain who his big bad would have been in in like the eighties. I know for now, I know for certain right now, it's it's definitely Loki because you know Tom Hiddleston is is a snack. <laughs> so you got to capitalize. Yep. But yeah, no, I do not Yeah, I would have assumed Loki, but also uh, Enchantress, maybe. I don't know. Just 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 seems thirsty for Thor. <laughs> Anyways, let's move on.
0: Um- <laughs> yeah. So.
1: No, I yeah, I, I Stephen, yeah, you got it. Secret Forty six. Forty six.
0: There it is. Forty six. Alright.
1: Whoop. There it is. Happy
0: two year anniversary,
1: guys. <laughs> uh this is the cotton anniversary and uh um I, I have sent you guys um uh some some new tube socks in the mail and uh keep your eyes peeled.
2: Wait, what is a cotton anniversary?
1: Well, traditionally when you have an anniversary when you're when you get married there is a gift that goes along with that year so the first year is paper the second year is cotton and, uh, that's the gift you're supposed to give your spouse is a gift made out of that material a modern variant on that would be china now i don't have fine china just to sling at you yahoos but uh, <laughs> socks no, actually, what's funny is that in my family, we did um, socks as a present on uh, St. Patrick's Day, because it's a waste of a present on any other good present holiday, and so <laughs> you uh, you give socks and underwear on, on St. Patrick's Day, which doesn't have presents apart from you know alcoholism, and so <laughs> you just exchange socks and underwear and uh, save that slot of a present um, at Christmas for a real present that isn't a necessity.
2: Feel free to cut this out, but that is the widest thing I've ever heard.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And on that note, I think we are going to talk about what we're going to read next. I think this is our next books are going to present a real challenge as far as like the ranking goes, because I'm not a hundred percent sure that these are two separate stories. They Fresh, brand new, just hit the app, one of the biggest events in comics of probably the last decade, honestly. We're reading House of X and Power of X. Yay. Jonathan Hickman, back again.
2: Back again with X-Men.
0: Completely rewrite (laughs) the X-Men universe. Things will never be the same. Heroes will live. Heroes will die.
2: Calm down, Stanley. (laughs) Stanley who? (laughs)
0: Lieber that's another joke that I've done before actually
2: (laughs) really I couldn't tell
0: (laughs) (laughs) no hold on it's it's funny because if you remember this is a reference back to another episode of the podcast where I made that joke which is actually probably in poor taste now
2: you know I'm just a little sad we still haven't read like x-men regenesis but that's fine
1: I'm I'm more offended. We'll there. I'm more offended, Stephen, that you're using a joke that was on The Big Bang Theory, as opposed to referencing a dead hero. Oh gosh, yeah. You're right.
0: That would be a Big Bang Theory joke. All yeah. sorts of lost right now. Okay, uh, new rule from here on out. John is the official like founder of the podcast.
1: <laughs> hey, hey! Look at me! Look at me! I'm the founder now. <laughs>